The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wabner. Front and center this hour, the lowest inflation print in two years, what it means for the rally with tomorrow's Fed decision now looming. We'll discuss and debate with the Investment Committee. Joining me for the hour today, right here at Post 9, Stephanie Link, Surat Sethi, Jim Labenthal. Let's check the markets. Have a good day going on the back of that CPI print. There is the Dow up 115 points on pace for the best month since November. S&P 500 up better than 21 we got a new 52-week high for the S&P and the NASDAQ as well. It's a strong day for cyclical stocks, energy, industrials, materials, financials. Jim Labenthal, I feel like you deserve the first word here. <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> Thanks, You've Scott. taken, look at you, you have a glow, a glow around you. You've taken so much heat, it's, so uh, much heat. It's is, this, is this exactly what the bulls needed? Yeah. Yes. And I'll add to that, of course, but it really started two Fridays ago, Scott, on that uh, that uh, labor report that showed that we had a lot of uh, jobs being created. So employment's good. The economy should be hanging in there. But average hourly earnings were uh, easing. And now we see further easing in CPI. You know, what's interesting, Scott, is June's estimate for headline CPI is 3.2 percent. I'm looking at the Cleveland Fed uh, forecasting 3.2 percent. I mean, that's a number like you just say that number. I know we want to talk about like, hey, there's the core CPI and there's core service. Services X housing, but no. Headline CPI, if you're down at 3.2%, I submit to you that the Fed should be taken out of the game. Not that they've done a bad job, that's not what the point is, but they should be done. They should be done. And what that, that then allows is the strength of the economy, which I and others have been talking about for quite some time, to really shine through and really shine through in those cyclicals, in those industrials, energy, and material stocks, and, and I'll end on this, Scott, those financials which it's hard to believe it was two and a half months ago, Silicon Valley Bank. But if you looked at the regional bank index, I mean, it's really actually doing pretty well here. So the fears of a systemic uh, decline in the banking system seem to be uh, not happening. There's a lot of good things going on. Steph, market feels like it's said, all right, Fed, you're, you're done. You're out of here. Um, you know, tomorrow they're probably not going to do anything. But the market can't be where it is now without an even bigger picture view of the Fed. And it does appear to be like, okay, we've We've already factored all this in. We know what you've done. We know what you still may do. 
we're good with it. Yeah, we're up 15% in the S&P 500 year to date, and the long-term total return average is seven. So we've had a really good year. We are pricing in a soft landing at this point. I'm not so sure looking at these numbers today that the Fed is done. Certainly the headline number at 4% is great compared to 9.1% a year ago, but the core CPI number is still much too hot and high at 5.3%. Um, and if you look at shelter, which is 40% of the CPI, that was up 8%, mm-hmm. right? And I know used car prices, that's certainly hurt, and that's going to reverse. So I got that. But shelter is a big piece of it, and it's not cooling down anytime soon. So maybe the Fed, they're going to pause probably tomorrow. Maybe they go in July. Maybe they don't. But I just don't think that they're going to all of a sudden change and pivot and start to ease anytime soon, why given buy, the numbers. Why are you buying cyclical stocks then? Because because we, well, we talked about it. I have kind of a balance. I mean, I do have some technology stocks, but I think the cyclicals, I think they offer a great value here. And I'm not, and I, by the way, I think we can have a soft landing. We're going to slow, but I'm not saying we're not. I'm just saying the Fed is not done. And that's a, that's two different things. Permission so, to cross-examine the witness, Your Honor. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Proceed. Oh God. Proceed, Counselor. Uh, Zillow Carefully. Rents, yeah, of course. It's Stephanie. It's me. Of course. We're good. Uh, Zillow rents are really declining and and leading the shelter component of CPI. I think CPI is is uh, very much lagging, and I think others have said that as well. Um, yeah, but new home sales are ha- at levels not seen since last March. So housing is certainly starting to recover, good, and housing good. leads rents. Uh, wh- and so I think you're going to see stabilization in there's, home prices, and rents are going. There's an air pocket them. forming in the CPI under under rents. There is, and there's also an air pocket in CPI forming under used cars, uh, which is known to be a lagging factor as well. Now, Steph. You and I are on the same side of how we're investing. I was right just now. thinking, like you guys are on the same team, um, but it doesn't sound like it. Like you're on oh. Team Ra Ra. I am and, on Team Ra Ra. I'm, I'm realistic. And Steph doesn't like, sound like she's on Team Ra Ra. I, I, I think I'm. I think I'm realistic. Yeah. I think even if even if CPI came in with a three handle, the Fed is not going to reverse. The Fed course. would be no. Well, it's not about reverse causing. Oh, it's about being that, stopped. Let's get started. Let's the get started. Who, who, who's who's more? No, they're closer both. to the reality of, of where we are, Steph or Jim. I think they're both looking at it two different sides, but coming to the same conclusion that, that the market today is saying that the Fed is pretty much going to stay where they are. And if they do raise, there'll be one more time, but they're not going to cut because we still need all this data to show that things are really coming down. And we don't have that yet. So they're going to say these are lagging indicators. The economy is still chugging along and the best case scenario for all of us, which is why I also am in cyclicals and industrials and materials and financials, is to say we have a slowdown, but it's not a huge slowdown and it's a soft slowdown, which we can kind of come back from. But if the Fed hints at cutting, it is going to be really bad for the overall market because that well, means- they don't have to hint, hint at cutting. But if the market believes that the Fed is done and even <laughs> let, let's just say tomorrow's nothing, OK, maybe July's a quarter. Right. But then they're done. The Leesman's Fed survey, 91% see a Fed pause in July, then on hold for nearly eight months. I mean, they don't have to cut. No, but they could just be done. They could be done. But then you know that the next move is a cut, though. It just may be way down the runway. It just depends on when it's going to, yeah, when we get it. But again, it could be a quarter point cut in 12 months. But at that point, we we need the data then to, to show because one of the things that we're investing in these sectors is because they're cheap. 
because we've talked about this for so long. The breadth has not reached some of these stocks yet. They are trading as we are already in not just a soft recession, in a hard recession. So earnings will catch up and then you, you will actually don't even see, you don't have to even see multiple expansion. You will just see earnings come up and you can stay at the same multiples and the stocks will go Earnings up. have already been better than feared and they're actually expected to be up almost double digits next year. Maybe it's too high, I don't know. But I mean, earnings have held in remarkably well, Scott. And I think that is, that's testament to the economy having all that underlying momentum. Steph is making a good point here, which is that, this, first off, the second quarter estimates for the S&P 500 continue to plumb new lows. They continue to go down. And this market's going up. Why is that? Because the market, if the Fed is done, is saying we don't care about the second half. I said this last week. I think you may have slightly disagreed with me, but I'm staying on this, which is that the market looks forward six months. And if the Fed well, is I done now, I did not disagree with you about that. Oh, OK, well, but, uh, <laughs> If the Fed is done now, if, we don't know it, but I'm, I'm supposing that they are. This market is saying exactly what Steph just said. You're going to get double-digit growth in earnings next year, and we want in. And to Surratt's point, which I think we buried here, we still have this incredible divergence between the equal weight S&P 500 and the market cap weight S&P 500. The equal weight is only up 4.2% year-to-date. There is a lot of room to run outside of tech. Like, have you been... You've been too positive for too long. I think that's that's fair to say. You haven't been right the whole way. I'm giving you love now because this market's been working in your favor and maybe continuing to go in your direction. But this hasn't been all, you know, smooth sailing. And I think I've Jimmy leaning out on the front of the ship. I think I've taken quite a bit of heat for being too early and too positive. I don't mean to be too effusive and gregarious right now, but look, this what's happening is what I believed would happen, which is simply put that the economy is stronger than was given credit for, and it's starting to shine through. Yes, it has taken a long time, and frankly, it's been painful for me during the waiting time. So I don't mean to get too excited here, but I am having a good time since that uh, labor report two weeks ago. Yeah. What are you going to say? I was going to say, oh, earnings in the sec- in next year, even in the second half of this year, I think earnings could be better than expected. But earnings in the, at the cyclicals, actually, I think can also grow double digits. I don't think it's just going to be technology, right? And the valuations are really very cheap. And, and the value grow sheets double are, digits, cyclicals? They, well, you're I also think they good, can, you're... certainly, especially the industrials. Yeah. I, oh, sure. And energy, right. there's no question to me that energy, they're, they're, they could really snap back. And, and you will get a tailwind with the dollar, too, because the dollar is so strong right now. You get any week in the dollar that's just going to improve. It's been a headwind for so many years. But how's energy going to snap back? How is it going to become? Well, I yeah, think, why? I think the demand will hold up better than expected. And we talked about this yesterday. Less supply coming out in the from the U.S. because they're going to be buying the SPR back, right? Um, you do have the Saudis cutting, and that's offset by Russia and Iran. But I think that there are more positives. EM is seeing better demand as well. And so I think that energy, but I mean, China's it's been a really terrible. really not seeing better. That, that, well, you never that know. Look, I mean, demand. there's all kinds of rumors today about some sort of sti- more stimulus. I mean, they talked, really? they, they've been talking about it. They've been doing increments in stimulus in China. So maybe that eventually will work. Everyone has written off China. I'm not ready to do that. I think they're still going to be able to do 4 or 5% growth, and that will help support energy, the crude prices, and then the stocks. Do you agree with that? No, I agree. I mean, look, we have a 6% position in energy. We're not, we brought it back down, but I still think energy stocks are Steph cheap. has like a 7%, I, I think. I do, yes, okay. I do. But they're still cheap. I mean, you look at the Chevrons and you look at the pioneers of the world, the EOGs, they're cash flow rich. They're very smart. They're not going out and acquiring, you know, more land. They're merging. You're seeing acquisitions happen, yeah. which is actually good for cost cutting. 
and, and the cash flow is coming back and they're increasing dividends and buying back shares. That's what you want. You want capital discipline, which is what they're doing in this time. Are you, are you Surat, underweight technology yes. right now? Yes. So I've got three people sitting in front of me who are underweight. The, why are you looking at me like that? Because that's not fair. What do you mean it's not <laughs> because fair? Because tech and comm services is 35% of our benchmarks. And that would be, I don't, I don't think that's responsible to have 35% okay. of a portfolio in so concentrated. No, I understand that. However, you guys have missed out, all three of you, on part of this tech run. Absolutely. I think we all have winners, though, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, I didn't say you didn't have any winners, but you probably don't have as many winners as you could or should. Possibly. Based but on it, what well, these stocks I think have done. I think it's responsible. All three of you. Yeah, and look, I agree. And on a risk management as a fiduciary, I cannot put 6 7% in certain stocks and just keep them going. I've been managing risk, taking money back. I did that with NVIDIA too early, still own it. But I think there's more opportunity down the road. This is, and, and you know, great, AI is awesome, but like you have so much of that buzz going in there that at some point when that does come For down. For good reason, maybe it doesn't come down. Maybe but, NVIDIA and the guidance that blew everybody out of the water was representative of the fact that it's not gonna come down. But there are gonna be other parts of the market that are gonna do well with it too. Not, you know, you've got companies like Uber using AI, you've got industrial using AI. So I think you can know, actually but everybody's use gonna say they're using AI, but you wanna be with the, like the-, the And the, I'm not, again, I own it, so I'm The I'm pure okay. play yes. AI companies are the ones that have led the market. Do you think that, that technology is gonna fall back and other parts of the market are gonna, are going to are going to come Th around. That's exactly how I'm positioned, and I think both of them on, on my sides are positioned too. We think the other sides of the market, the equal weighted sides, are not being given. If if things are as good as they are, these stocks in industrials, cyclicals, financials should all become. I out. think that's the principal part of the debate between now and the end of the year. Do you want to lean into what's really worked? Or do you want to try and play for value elsewhere and what's lagged? I, I'm doing both. I don't know yeah. why you wouldn't want to do both, right? I am a firm believer in AI, and I own a huge position in Broadcom and in LAM Research, right? I mean, I, I have exposure. I don't have NVIDIA, but I have. I also have Meta. I mean, I have some names that have participated in the, the AI kind of craze. Don't have, you don't have Microsoft and Alphabet either. I don't need to. Yeah. I have a very big position in, in, in Meta. I mean, Meta and Broadcom are my two largest positions in my portfolio. So, but I want to offset it with other areas where I think that there are bargains. I think all three of us, yeah. are, that's the way we invest. We want to be a little bit on the contrarian side, but we don't want to get blown out of the water. And if, so that's why we do own a few technology names, but we also own, own other right. things as well. What about you, Cowboy? Yeah, well, you called all three of us to the uh, front of the classroom. I didn't think <laughs> I was going to skate by uh, unaddressed. Um, can't go back in time. If I could, would have loaded up on tech at the beginning of the year. But the thesis I had at the beginning of the year, and everybody knows that I'll say again, is basically that there is no landing, that this economic cycle is continuing. And what that means in the context of the current environment where the last two and a half months tech has rallied and everything else has really stunk, is that there's a lot of opportunity in these names that for the last two weeks have been rallying. The last two weeks, look at Deer. Look at Citigroup, look at, look at NXP Semiconductor, look at our beloved Qualcomm, okay? There's life coming back to these stocks. I can't go back to the beginning of the year and load up on NVIDIA. If I could, I would. But where I am right now is I'm seeing the thesis that I've put out there, admittedly early, come true, and it's benefiting the stocks that I put in the portfolio to express exactly that thesis. Right, now it remains to be seen as to whether there is gonna be a recession. Legitimate, legitimate, don't, don't legitimate. What's interesting to me, too, is as part of Leisman's Fed survey, 
when asked about AI as an investment, only 9% think it's overhyped and a bubble. 33% too soon to tell, promises significant return in economic changes near 50%, near half. Unsure nine. I only got 9%, Jim, that think it's tough, that Scott. It's, a it's tough. It's tough. I'm looking right now at NVIDIA, and I've got the trades queued up and ready to go. And every time this thing dips down into the 380s and it looks like it's going to fill that gap, Josh gave us an excellent uh, tutorial on gap filling a couple of weeks ago. I, I keep waiting for it, and maybe I'm being too stupid, but I'm telling you it's the next trade I've got to make. NVIDIA. Is, is to start building my position. And, and listen, for viewers, how do you do this? If you want to build a 4% position, I'm starting with 1%, all right? That will happen in the next few days. I'll be on and I'll talk to you about it. Uh, but you take your time and you don't just rush in here at $400 and build the full position. What do you think about that, Surat? I, I agree with him. I mean, we, we have a 3 to 4% position right now in it, so I, I'm- What was it before? It, it was like 2% before. I brought it down to 2% at the beginning of the year, and now it's kind of run up. I again. know, but where was it when you brought it down to 2%? It was about three, three and change, and now it gets back up again. So it, it worries me. I'm, I'm a valuation guy like he is, too, and, and I just don't want to fall into it. We've, and NVIDIA is a great company. We've owned it for a long time, but we've seen what happened when they got into the crypto, and, and then all of a sudden the stock went flying up, and then, boy, was it down 40%, and then everybody hated it. Momentum is always good on the way up. Yes, not good on the way down. Certainly not. So the other one, Jimmy, is Oracle. That's yeah. our chart of the day. Yeah. Uh, good on you and uh, Josh, too. Yep. Josh and really Surat. called this Surat. thing out. And Surat, too. Uh, All-time high today, coming off the best day in a year. That's on, on the back of earnings. Surat, why don't you give me something first on that, then? Look, I mean, we've owned this since it's been the 40s, and it was it was dead money for a couple of years. And we've had debates on Oracle. I remember you getting out of Oracle. Oh, and, yes. You know, it was kind of one of those, hey, it's sleepy, but it's not. They weren't competing well in cloud. What were they doing with services? And now they have, you know, they have some tailwind. They, they are really competing well against Amazon. They're competing well against all the others. They're firing at all cylinders. AI is right there for them. And, and they're partnering with NVIDIA too. So we like this company. Now it's not cheap anymore. It used to trade at 10, 12, 12 times earnings. And it was kind of in the IBM world when is the old tech it was called. Now you got the halo effect and, and we like it. Jimmy, I'm looking at the I, PE on it right now. And 21. Yeah. Uh, they have a weird year end. It's May, May of 24. So I'm looking at that that fiscal year, 21 times. I mean, that's yeah. It's not 12, but you know what? That's that's growth at a reasonable price. Right. That's what you're defining it as. And they've got good growth from the areas that you want. Exactly what you're talking about a minute ago, Scott. Artificial intelligence and announcing that they've got partnerships with Nvidia helps to move the stock higher. Now, listen. If you don't own this stock right now, just like the discussion earlier with Nvidia, I don't think you have to rush out at right. this price and buy it. I mean, the stock's up 88 percent in a year. Let's respect that for a second. I'm not going to sell anything, but at some point I would just wait for a little uh, pullback before adding. Goldman it. takes it off of sell. Um, that had to not hurt. a great call. Yeah. They, they, um, they move it to neutral. Price target goes to 120. The target goes to 135 at Deutsche, 112 at JPM, 140 at Wolf, 142 at Bernstein. 142 is the highest right now on, uh, on Oracle. Yeah, it sounds like the street is not ready to re-rate this. Well, look at that any interesting coverage than, yeah. thing, guys. Can you throw that back up there, please? You have more holds than anything else. Yeah. Well, I think and you're for like the last ten years, that was the right call. That was, and you're going to get the re-rating because one of the things when you think about an oracle is 
as their sales are increasing, they're going to new customers and saying, now we have these other customers. Why don't you let us partner with you? And everybody wants a second source at this point or a third source. So you're not just going to be only with Amazon and Google. You now have an opportunity with Oracle. And for them, it's low-hanging fruit. What about Apple? What about this downgrade? Can we see Apple shares? Uh, please, because the stock hit a, hit a new high and then it got downgraded today. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, downgraded to neutral at UBS, given softer iPhone and services growth. Now, I guess my point on this would be, Steph, I'll, I'll go to you uh, on this. Um, if you want to pick and say, okay, I'm concerned about a- a iPhone sales and softer services growth. Well, I mean, you could have downgraded this stock months ago. Yeah. Many, many months ago. So why now? Well, because it's up 41% and it trades at 29 times forward estimates. Yeah, I know, but it was 30 times when I was sitting out at WWDC and it was up like 46% that day. I'm just saying, like, now? Well, okay. I mean, maybe the risk, maybe this person doesn't think the risk reward is that great given that it's up 41%. Do and you? you are seeing incremental slowdown in, 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 some of their businesses, iPhone, 70 percent is comes from of the demand comes from the U.S. Uh, and China and Europe. And they and this analyst thinks that iPhone sales are going to be down one to two percent. Do you want to pay 29 times for down one to two percent? Services has been slowing. But if down if down one or two percent is less than down double that. Well, I also think Mac sales are going to be down. If you're trending in the right direction now, maybe you think the worst is over. Well, then, then, but they also think Mac sales are going to be down three to five percent as well. So, look, I you agree I, with this call? I don't. I don't agree with it, but I think it could take a pause because I think the risk reward is not as great as it was at the beginning of the year. It's had a nice run. Um, it's now over seven percent of the S and P 500. That tells you that a lot of people have been buying it, and a lot of people own it. And so, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't do anything on this call, but I get it. I think there are other values, better better ways to play Apple. Again, I'm going to bring up Broadcom. Broadcom. It's 20% of their total revenues. If I want Apple, that's that's one of the ways I've been playing it, too. Surat, you own it. Yeah, and look, I think it kind of goes back to where we're talking about. You can still own it, but still own other things that could catch up to it. Mm. So, you know, if you're going to get a pause in some of these stocks, it's okay, because you just, you know, a vertical line at times. But you're not looking to... Like you were with NVIDIA, are you looking to trim any of Apple because you think it's gotten too, too expensive at 30 times? individually accounts become too big, but otherwise I think this is kind of like a consumer staple in there. It's, it's hard to go against Apple at this point. Jim, give me the last word on that. Um, I'll give the analyst credit for going against the grain here, right? I mean, it's kind of a tough call to downgrade Apple. It's the juggernaut. On the other hand, I really don't see the catalyst in his report that the rest of the world doesn't know. What I ultimately think here is I'm underweighted. I'm fine owning it at the weight that I own. If it came down 10%, I said this to you last week, Scott, I would add to it. But this is a kind of a, a netherland as far as the price goes. And I'm with Surratt on this, that there are plenty of other names out there that I think will return better than Apple, even though Apple will do just fine. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a chip double dip. We're following two big stories today in the semi space. We'll tell you about it. Our Jir Jabosa and Christina Partsinevelos are standing by with those details. You'll hear from them next. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. 
Edward Jones, member SIPC. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. All right, we're back. Semis front and center today. The SMH hitting a new 52-week high. And we are tracking two big chip stories at this hour. Full team coverage from the West Coast. Dear Jabosa standing by on new reporting that Intel is looking to invest in ARM's IPO. We do begin with Christina Partsanevolos, though, live in San Francisco, ahead of AMD's big AI event. Christina? Yeah, well, we know the 2023 tech market has really revolved around the, the AI narrative. AMD stock has benefited. It's more than doubled pretty much year to date. It's gone from 80 bucks to about 130 in just one month. So what we're expecting from today's event that's going to kick off in about 30 minutes or so, more comments about their next generation CPU products, a market it already dominates with Intel. But a lot of investors will want to know about their next generation GPU, which would compete with NVIDIA. Why do we care about these graphics chips because they're used in large language models that are used for generative AI. AMD, we know, is not uh, NVIDIA when it comes to the GPU market, but it is positioning itself as the next best alternative, something customers want, especially when it comes to price point. There is some rumors that Microsoft may already be a customer. Maybe we'll hear a little bit about that in the event today. Maybe Meta will be next. But Scott, I'll just end with this one name. An honorable mention has to be TSMC because we talk about all these AI chips. TSMC, Taiwan Semi, doesn't necessarily design them, but it makes chips for NVIDIA, for AMD, for Marvell, for Broadcom, and could also be a great beneficiary. We're going to talk all about this at 4 p.m. Eastern when I interview the AMD CEO, Lisa Su, coming up on uh, Closing Bell, so you won't want to miss that, but there's going to be a lot moving. I'm assuming right at 2.30 p.m. Eastern when the embargo lifts, so expect some movement in the stock, and we'll get more details on all the products. Scott? All right. Yep, look forward to that a couple hours from now. Christina, thank you. Now to Dee Bosa with more on what's driving the action in Intel today. Dee? Yeah, so Scott, these stories, they're related because Intel is hoping that Taiwan Semi is not the only game in town and that it can get some of that TSMC halo effect through its new foundry business. And that is what this ARM play is all about. So reports say that Intel is in talks to be an anchor investor to the ARM IPO that's expected this year. And at least initially, investors are supporting that idea. The stock is up uh, nearly 2% today. This is potentially positive for that new manufacturing or foundry business. And it could be a sort of roundabout way for Intel to keep working with Megacap Tech in a different capacity. Take Mac processors. I know you know it well. Intel used to supply them, provide the computing power. But Apple has transitioned to its own in-house silicon that it develops with ARM. So instead of designing the chips for Apple laptops, Intel could manufacture them in the future. Other big tech, Google, Meta, Microsoft, Amazon, also working with ARM to vertically integrate and design their own in-house chips. Still, a very long way to get to that point. Many questions still remain over whether customers will actually move away from the dominant players, TSMC and Samsung. But would note that Pat Gelsinger has had at least some reason for optimism on the foundry front lately. Remember a few weeks ago, NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang said in Taiwan, their test chips, quote, look good. So there's that, Scott. All right. Dear Jabosa, thank you very much for that report. Let's go to the committee. Uh, so Jimmy, at, at underscoring how you're underweight AI, right? Um, no AMD. Why don't you have AMD? 
What? <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't even start with that one. <laughs> okay, I, I don't own AMD because of the price. I mean, that's the simple short answer. But I think- Price? The, yeah. Listen, wait, let me, can we talk about what I do own? I mean, that's just no, like, no, because I own 25 have, stocks. You're gonna talk gonna, about the 3,975 I don't? Ones, we're gonna get to the ones you do own, but you can't tell me, I have a good you-know-what meter. You can't tell me <laughs> that you don't own AMD because of the price when you just told me that you're going to buy NVIDIA <laughs> arguably by the time the sun goes this down. This is a great point. No, but it's a great point. NVIDIA to me is different within the chip space. What I do own, and I'm still going to answer your question, all right? Yeah. But what I do own are chip stocks oh, that <laughs> chip stocks that are reasonably priced. NVIDIA is not reasonably priced. That's a different category for me. That's why I'm being very cautious and trepidatious with it. Uh, so, I mean, there's only so much of that I'm going to do, and it's going to be with the bull, right? It's going to be with NVIDIA. I'm not going to do with other things that aren't NVIDIA in that speculative category. I, I guess my point is do you need to and and you know investors at large yep. do, do do we all need to sort of rethink valuation okay what we are willing to pay for ai related technologies that are going to be transformational no you don't no and I, and I know I'm, I'm making the exception with nibbling at NVIDIA, but I think that's a valuation that five years from now is going to look very reasonable. Well, what's AMD's PE? 45. I mean, I didn't wake up today thinking anything about AMD, right? I mean, do we really want to keep doing this? I'll talk to you about no, NVIDIA. I mean, it's, no, but it's I'll not just, it's not just you. I, I have... I, uh, Steph already documented Broadcom, and I, I totally get that. And that's at 21 but times. But Surratt and Jim are Qualcomm. You have you have NXPI, NXPI. which I, I wonder if you have too much exposure to autos. If you own GM, why do you own NXPI? Well, that, that's a valid point. I, I'm sorry. I know you want me to answer my question, but there's one point I have to make here. Okay, Outside of the sexy NVIDIAs and AMDs and all that sort of stuff, you want to be in chips right now. If the cycle is continuing, if you're getting indication that the Fed's done and we're getting at, at, at worst a soft landing and you look at the valuation in the vast swath of chip world, OK, this is where you want to be why right you, now well, for I mean, the but, cycle. But, but why do you say it that way as such a blanket? Like, why do you have to be, you just want to be in chips? No, you have to be in the right chips. And I think I am. I think I am. Well, Look, Qualcomm hasn't done anything. Well, it's, it's undervalued and it's coming back. Well, actually, over time, it has I'm done gonna very well. I'm going to give Sarah a chance to get but in on here, too, because he NX, has Qualcomm also. Look, okay. NXP is a type of semiconductor. Too. NXP is a type of semiconductor that you can own. If you have a thesis, like I do, about autos, that no matter what happens in the economy, Scott, you're going to have to produce autos. We just simply need more autos in the world, in the country in particular, where the average age is 12 and a half years. But Cars that don't last that but, long. But that doesn't drive stock prices. Uh, at the at the price of NXP, it certainly does. Around 14 times earnings and a 1.0 peg ratio. I think its dividend yield is 2%. My my point being is that there's value there. That's an opportunity. Surat, look, I mean, Qualcomm has been not a great star, right? We know they should have been doing a lot better in terms of execution. Apple's been taking share from them. The stock is still cheap. It's 15 times earnings. It's got a great balance sheet. It's got a great dividend. They put a lot of money into R&D. And, and to Jim's point, right now, what, what I, th I think Jim's saying, not to put words in his mouth, is when you're in the semiconductor space... And I'll you do think, that. Thank okay. you very much. Because mm -hmm. I know you like to do that. But when you're in the semi-space, and if things are, if industrials and cyclicals are going to pick up, the demand for semiconductors as a whole are going to go up, and the margins then are just incrementally really positive. 
But but you're you're buy, you're not buying Qualcomm at 30 times earnings. You're buying it at 15 times earnings with a potential to have earnings grow double digits. Somebody has to point out it's not a dog of a stock, all right? It's beaten the S&P 500 on three, five-year bases. I mean, yeah, but it's up 13% year-to-date, right? So, okay, I've, I mean, I've I mean, owned it for about five years. Okay, and so, well, I know, and, but and you, relative, know, you know that there are times where a stock that is really a good stock just languishes and you just got to wait it out. I, I, I agree with you on that, but it has been a dog relative to every uh, pretty yes. much every other If you, if you own the index company. of semiconductors, wow, it was she's really, she's really getting back wow. at me. I was having a little fun with her earlier. Oh, no, it, but it has truth been. Hurts. It has been. What, the truth is, hurts. the truth is, all right, three years and five years, and I've owned it for about five years, it's outperformed the S&P 500. It has sucked Let me tell you this something. But if, <laughs> some, yes, if somebody sitting at home is like, okay, I've got AMD, I've got NVIDIA, I've got Qualcomm, and i got NXPI, I'm like, why in the you-know-what do I own Qualcomm and NXPI when I should own more of NVIDIA or AMD? Or if you're choosing between the... If you're choosing between groups of two, why would you own Qualcomm and NXPI over AMD and NVIDIA? Because the, the demand for wireless is not going down, and Qualcomm spends a lot of money in R&D. They they're not this chip company that just says, we're going to be a commodity chip company. They, they are putting money in there, and they're, they're, the demand for their chips is increasing. If NVIDIA is your benchmark, every other stock stays. No, it's not. It's not, but I mean, if you... If you I mean, you could take AMD, you could take NVIDIA, you could take Broadcom. You could take the stocks that appear to be at the cutting edge of the right place to be, yep. right, where the proverbial puck is going, rather than stocks that aren't moving. Steph is shaking her head seems to, in agreement. Seems to me like you're saying go <laughs> to where the puck is, and Surat and I are saying go to where the puck is going. That's what it seems to me. Really? Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> really? Yes, well, I mean, is, well, you're, skating. Oh, you're hurting me today. Oh, you, you are hurting me. Are you skating backwards? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I took one teasing oh shot God. at her. No, even Steph knows on. that it's, that's. It's, 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 come on. No, I mean, wait, it's wait, not, wait, it has, wait. It has lagged, and when every other semi name yeah, again, is up 45 I'm, see, here's the thing. So Broadcom trades at 21 times. It used to trade at 16 times four weeks ago. So we've had a re-rating and the stock has done really well because they have AI, but they have other things too, right? So that was that to me is a way to play AI and data center and cloud and Apple at a reasonable price. I don't have to play NVIDIA and chase NVIDIA. I can own this one and this is what I do own, right? Lamb Research and Applied Materials. I don't own Applied, but those two are also going to be home runs with AI. And they are at reasonable valuations at about 17 times, but they have real growth and they have margin expansion. And I'm not sure you get the same kind of growth well, at Qualcomm as you are with some of these other. You things. might not, but Qualcomm is not Intel either. OK, so I, I do think Qualcomm has a proven track record and they have come back from areas and they do reinvest money into their business. So that that is kind of what I think our view on that is we're going to go to see where management can take the stock. Definitely not Intel. Intel's up like 25% in three months. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at it over three years, though. <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> I think that's one we can all agree on. Yeah, that is definitely we can agree <laughs> on right. that one. Let's get the headlines with Pippa Stevens. Hey, Pips. Hey, Scott. Here's our CNBC News update at this hour. 22 U.S. service members were injured Sunday in a helicopter mishap in northeastern Syria. U.S. Central Command said no enemy fire was reported, and 10 of the injured were evacuated to higher care facilities. The cause is under investigation, and the brief statement did not elaborate on the circumstances. Miami police assisted Homeland Security in responding to a suspicious object near the federal courthouse where Donald Trump will be arraigned this afternoon. The scene was quick 
quickly cleared, but it showed the heightened security response in place for today's proceedings. Miami's mayor has said the city is ready for any level of protests or demonstrations today, whether it's 1,000 people or 50,000. And the governor of Illinois signed a bill into law that makes the state the first in the nation to outlaw book bans. Libraries that restrict or ban certain materials will be ineligible for state funding. The new law goes into effect at the beginning of next year, and it comes into play as other states seek to remove certain books from schools and libraries. Scott, back to you. All right, Pippa, thank you, Pippa Stevens. Up next, we'll hit a few more calls of the day. Halftime back right after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. All right, calls of the day. Some more of them. PayPal, downgraded to neutral from overweighted Atlantic equities. Surat, you own PayPal. I do. Price target, 72 bucks. sorry. And look, I'm owning it for the new management coming in, a new CEO. So I think it's really early to make this call to say, hey, even if new management comes in, I do think some of the parts is greater than the whole. Just take it um, forever, right? Yeah, I'm wondering what's going on over there because it's, something should be happening, but it's, it's hard to tell. At what point do you say, you know what, I'm tired of this nonsense? But as soon as I do that, stock. they'll announce the CEO the next day. <laughs> so literally, it is I'm, taking a while. It is taking a while. And I, and I think they, you know, this, the current CEO that they had was great for strategy, but they needing execution CEO because the Venmo part is really good. The transaction part's really good. And it might just be you have to break up the company again. But I do think there's true value there. Stocks at 14 times earnings. It's, All right. It's uh, Steph, SLB. Mentioned positively at Goldman Sachs. Price target sixty five bucks. And we talked about this yesterday. It is my favorite uh, energy name of the three that I own. It's down twelve percent. It's been a bad stock to, uh, year to date, but it does trade at fifteen times, and they're the number one player in the group. And it's very rare to get fifteen times with the number one player in the group with EBITDA margin expansion, double digit revenue growth, uh, and uh, an, an international mix, which I think is inflecting, and that's seventy five percent of their business. Roblox initiated by at Canaccord Surat, 48 bucks is the price target. Look, I this is one of the, you know, I own 60 stocks, right? This is my stock that is a speculative stock. I think if it does well, it's going to be a home run. They've got 500 million of cash on their balance sheet. They're not looking to raise equity and they're getting more and more people. They're getting more attraction. They're going to move towards advertising. And I think if you're going to play gaming, this is one of the stocks to play in game. I was looking at the PE on this one. There's no PE on this one. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You make my point for me, Surat. Devon Energy upgraded to buy from neutral at Goldman Sachs. EOG downgraded to neutral from buy at Goldman Sachs. You own EOG. I do own EOG. EOG is a very well-run company. I mean, their, the balance sheet is spectacular. The capital discipline is spectacular. You want to own this if you feel that what we do is you want to be the cyclicals and the energy stocks going forward. I don't own EOG, but I own Diamondback Energy, and I like what they're doing because I like their assets. I like the asset sales, the cash flow, free cash flow, almost $3 billion. They're buying back stock. They're doing all the right things. And so I think you pick your poison, right? You pick the one you you want, but it's a good one. But you want to have exposure. Yeah. I just want to point out that Qualcomm has outperformed FANG year to date. That's important to me now. In the context. Now, are you looking now at every single stock that Qualcomm has just outperformed? Yes, just, just, just for the next 20 minutes. You own plenty right. of energy stocks, my friend. He's making a list. All right, up next, Mike Santoli uh, has his midday word. We're back on the half right after this. Grade my trade. Send us your latest stock move, and the investment committee will debate it and grade it. 
email us at askhalftime at cnbc.com or tweet us, hashtag GradeMyTrade. Our senior markets commentator Mike Santoli is right here at Post 9 for his midday word, which is? Well, a few things can be true at once, as we always say. Uh, the, the leaders of this market running real hot going into a Fed meeting. So you don't always like to see that stretching really the upper edge of their trend channel if you look at the NASDAQ 100. But the rest of the market, which, you know, I think you have to give credit to the fact that you have this newly established uptrend. If we're going to get a belief phase, it's only beginning. Mm. You saw that in a lot of the, the cash flow uh, numbers from investors and then just the, the uh, global fund manager survey from B of A. All these things say, OK, maybe people are feeling more comfortable. If we're going to get very short term, the market pull into neutral before the Fed meeting, then that would suggest you'd want to calm down a little bit uh, going in. And you got to watch yields because, you know, we're celebrating the fact that inflation is, is, is falling relatively quickly. It's coming into lines, allowing the Fed to pause. Uh, but, you know, the market itself is absorbing this new issuance. And it's not at alarming levels, but yields perked up since the morning CPI release. Do you have any thoughts on Qualcomm? While you're uh, while you're here, <laughs> any thoughts on Qualcomm? Not really. No more than I would typically have. Well, you know what's, what we talked about yesterday is relevant again today, Scott, which is these companies that keep getting recast as something that they maybe aren't. Right? Oracle today, uh, and and AMD, arguably. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying they don't have uh, kind of uh, cards in the game. All right. Uh, in terms of AI, but what are you going to pay for their version of it? All right, you rolled with that well. Thank right. you. I'll yeah. see you in a little bit. That's Mike Santoli. We'll see him on Closing Bell. Grade My Trade is up next. Let's do Grade My Trade. Stephanie Link, you're up first. From Edward, I just established a new position in both Target and Dollar General, 100 shares each on June 5th. Please grade my trade. Uh, well, Dollar General, I mean, it's a fabulous company, great management team, but they've had execution issues this year, supply chain issues. And so this year, and I think even into next year, you're going to have an investment cycle headwind, right? Because you're going to have to spend to fix all these issues. But long term, I like it. It trades at 16 times earnings, which is down from their average in the low 20s. Um, and it's also off 35%. So I think I think you are buying low. I just think you have to be patient. Target, on the other hand, I think last year was their execution problems. This year, they're actually fixing them in terms of lower inventories, better gross margins. And so I think they're in better shape this year and maybe even into next year. And it trades, it trades cheaper than Dollar General 15 times. Okay, Surat from John Prudential bought 20 shares at 83 bucks. What do you think? Look, I, I like Prudential this price. The stock has not done much. You're getting almost a 6% dividend yield. The overhang on this stock are a couple of things, interest rates and also commercial real estate as to what, how much they own. So stock is cheap for a reason. Uh, you know, I think if it gets back into the 90s, probably time to kind of take some money off the table. But at 83, 85, it's still pretty cheap. Okay, Jimmy, lastly, from Trent, bought Rig Transocean, 565. That's $5.65 a share. What's your uh, home run price target? I think this is going to be a double-digit stock, so $10 plus. Uh, let me point out, you don't get that sort of return without risk, okay? I have to stress this. It's $5.80 right now. It could well go down to $5 or lower before getting there. But there's two steps to this process. One, day rates have been going up significantly. That's step number one. Step number two is bringing back idle rigs into active status. When you see that happening, that's what's going to be the next leg up to double digits. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll do five trades next but first a quick message as cnbc celebrates pride month 
My advice is to tap into the power and uniqueness of your identity. That is the undeniable essence of you and will in fact help fuel your career growth. Early in my career, I hid who I was at work, a queer disabled woman in tech. It wasn't until I started bringing all aspects of who I was into the work I did that I truly started to hit my stride. Don't shy away from bringing your whole self to work. Stand confidently in who you are and incorporating it into how you approach work will propel you to greater heights. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. All right, we're back. Stephanie Link, you have some company in Meta, oh. apparently. Kathy Wood oh. has been buying a bunch of stock. <laughs> well, that's good, I guess. I've been trimming it, as you know, but it's still a really big position for me. I still like it long term. It's still pretty attractive on a valuation basis, too. You're just trimming it because it was up so much? Yeah. Yeah. And I was, as you know, I was buying it, adding to it all last year on the way down. So taking some gains, I think that's a good thing to do every once in a while. Surat, you own it too, right? I do. I've been doing the same thing as her. Trimming it? Yeah. It became too big a position. What are you guys doing, scaredy cats? <laughs> no, it's about diversification and managing risk. Because when it goes to 100, you're going to look, look at us and go, how come you didn't sell it at 240? Maybe not. Like, why'd you trim it now? Why don't you ride it up to 300? Because wow. you still, if still, you can still own it, you can. Uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't know what your position is, but I'm, I'm still 5%. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you guys do what you do. Yes. Uh, closing bell today, 3 o'clock Eastern time. Let me remind you what's coming up. We have Ed Yardeni today. I look forward to our conversation, of course. Anastasia Amoroso, Stacey Raskin on that AMD event. So we should find out around 2.30 what the headlines are. We'll see what the stock does as AMD really tries to position itself as the competitor to NVIDIA in AI. So we'll see all that in a little bit. Farmer Jim, why don't you go first with your final trade? I had a tough time selecting one. All right, there are so many cyclicals out there that are dirt cheap with the growth prospects intact if the soft landing is coming to fruition. If you believe me, then General Motors is a key example. And they've got cash flows. They're buying back shares. At the last quarter, they reduced their share count by 5% at 70% of book value. I thought you were going to make a joke and pick Qualcomm. <laughs> I thought too. about it. I, I did. We about did it. discuss I that. We, I, we, we I actually just, thought we, you were going to do that. Well, she's picking the Qualcomm of the GM's been on a tear. Oh, not really. What? <laughs> not really. Surat, what do you got? Not really. I've got Morgan Stanley. Look, I think you've got a perfect storm that happened. Morgan Stanley was thrown in with all the other regionals. It's not a regional. It's a wealth management business that has really great assets. 3% dividend yield. Great management team. All right. Big uh, presence in this region. Good. I've got to go. We, IBM. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer. 
People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.